without much further ado, I would like to invite our keynote speaker, Mr. Jul Julian Chulia, Pastor Julian. He's an internationally accomplished business leader. He's the founder and CEO of Edom X Group, a Delaware company that has opened offices in Houston and Kenya. Prior to that, he founded the Mod Group, a fintech company spanning over 26 countries in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Julian, you may have to explain what fintech is when you come. <laughs> and he's a founder and chairman of Beulah City. Julian is involved in affordable housing projects in the Kenyan housing sector. He also sits on several boards across the world with links to global leaders in various sectors. He was recognized as the 2015 CNBC East Africa Entrepreneur of the Year for East Africa. Wow. He was also a top 40 under 40 Kenyan entrepreneur on two occasions. Wow. He featured in Forbes magazine, Bloomberg International, and the New York Times. You know, some national presidents don't feature in some of those papers. He was, he, as a sought-after speaker, Julian has graced various platforms across the world, including Oxford University, Silicon Valley events in Singapore, and the Global Entrepreneurship Summit in Nairobi with President Barack Obama. Julian is a husband to Amanda Chula and a father of three boys. I would like to make welcome. Can you please make welcome, Julian? Welcome, indeed. Now, Julian has a flight after this, so he asked that he speaks first, and then he can run to the airport. Thank you so much for gracing us. Thank you very much, Eva. Thank you. You may please be seated. Um, I trust you are all well. I'm going to take this as a lecture. And so I hope you have your notebooks ready. I think I have Eva's notebook, so let me give it to her. Um, I hope you have your notebooks ready and um, pens because I'm going to cruise through. My, one of my great mentors, Dr. Miles Monroe, never used to slow down for any of us. So today I'm going to ask that you keep up with me because I'm going to move fast but I believe you are very smart, intelligent people that will catch what it is that I want to share with you. Let us pray. Father, for this time and with what Inuka Africa has put together, both those who are here and listening online in different parts of this nation and even beyond the nation, may everything I speak glorify your name. Teach us, Father, to see those things which require us to see. And teach us to know those things which we must know for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Um, I have a presentation. Actually, I have three. And I'm going to go through all of them. They're not long. But they have enough points that I believe are important um, for you. I'd like to request, since I can see, I'll keep the time on my watch. If I can have the presentation. Is it possible to have the presentation on the screen in front of me? If, if not, don't worry about it. It's possible? Perfect. Then I don't have to turn my back to, to the audience. But in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. He didn't give all his disciples, even though they were near him. He only gave the one that had revelation. Keys don't come to you if you don't have revelation. It is irresponsible for the father to give keys to someone that does not know what keys are for. So he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me appreciate all the leadership of Inuka, everybody that has been involved in putting these few days together for us to come and learn. And I want to also thank Eva, that, that the panelists, that my co-speakers that will be here today for the things that we shall talk about. Um, I really believe the season for sharpening those in the kingdom has come. And so we cannot be in some euphoria um, type of uh, thought process. We must now enter a very progressive thought process for what God wants to do. Um, so please, next slide. Just keep going. So, 
keys were used by the Roman kingdom to, um, Jesus used keys in the Roman kingdom to explain the keys of the kingdom. In essence, because of the fortification of the Roman empire and how heavily fortified it was, people understood what keys were. And so Jesus used this, the, 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 the uh, perimeter wall was very strong, a lot of security, it was very tight. The kind of keys that they used were very heavy keys and therefore the gates had gatekeepers who are in charge of the kingdom's keys. This is a gatekeeping conference, isn't it? And so they had gatekeepers who were responsible uh, for kingdom keys. The gatekeepers were considered among the most important people in the empire because of their role in the empire's security. Keep going, please. And so, if you want to take pictures, take pictures, because you may not have enough time to write. I'm still waiting for my screen in front here when you get a chance so that I don't keep turning back. The gatekeepers carried a bunch of keys, different sizes, uh, for different roles, of course. Different keys opened different things, as we can all imagine. And so, these keys were used to lock or open massive gates one at a time. Right? So, each key opened a specific gate. Please understand, there are certain keys in the marketplace you need to understand. Keys that unlock capital are not the same kind of keys that necessarily unlock debt. There are keys for equity raising, there are keys for capital raising, there are keys used for governance, there are certain keys used for expansion. Not one key opens everything. All right? The master key is Jesus, but he gave us keys. Now you have to understand which key to apply at what time. And what I've seen and I've seen as a big mistake we make as believers is that we come with faith, but without the skill. And so there are certain things skill will open that faith will help advance. Are you hearing me? So when you're looking to have people invest in your business, if you're looking to have people help you raise capital, if you're looking to expand, um, Eva asked me to explain what fintech is. Fintech is basically finance and technology. Eva, I'm sure this generation knows what fintech is. It's us older people who may not know. But fintech is finance and technology. And so I've been involved in companies that work with both banks and telcos. Um, I have one of my very close friends just about to join us here, the, uh, the CEO of MTN Uganda, the new one. She's a powerful Kenyan woman. And she'll be joining us shortly to just say hello. And we've been working a lot with phone companies, with banks, because I really believe that when you think of production in the world, from agri-tech, agriculture, technology, um, to settlement, which is how we're going to look at housing for our generation, it will not be what our fathers did. And so you must come into play with understanding what keys are for. So he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Not all each key opens a specific gate. You must know your keys. And so the opening of one gate used to lead to the opening of another. So sometimes you have to understand also, not just about which gate is opened by which key, but there are certain gates that must precede others. You cannot open certain gates before you open others. And so these keys have to be carefully turned aligned in a particular way. There's a way you can use a key and break it. There's a way you can use relationships and break your future. Mm. There are certain things you have to understand about the marketplace. It doesn't forget. It will not forget if you con people. If you, it will not forget if you take debt and don't pay it back. It will not forget if your character is skewed. And therefore, please understand the markets are very small. You think it's a big market, but you, could, you would find out that people in New York figured out what you did in Uganda and don't want to give you capital. So you must understand that the keys have to be turned and aligned the right way. Are you getting me? Okay, good. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Keep going, please. Now, what are keys? I want to give you Merriam-Webster's dictionary definition of what keys are. Um, it's a means of gaining or preventing entrance, possession, or control. This is part of the role of gatekeeping, is that they have access to certain keys that can control entrance, possession, um, and into a place 
into a nation. I don't know if it's like that in Uganda, but in Kenya we have very strong people called security guards and PAs. They hold very important keys. There are certain rooms janitors will access that some of you will never access in a big house. We just came from your state house and I'm sure there's a person who cleans the president's office and we are not allowed to enter. They have a key you don't have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Um, let me not get, let me not become a preacher. So keys are instrumental in when you talk about deciding factors, keys become very instrumental. I'm laying a foundation with keys, but we're moving to the next presentation shortly. So what is the Bible definition of keys? Principles by which the kingdom of God operates by. And so there are certain things that are different. Keys of the world are different from keys of the kingdom. He says in his word that I give you my peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So there's a peace the world gives that is not the same as the peace of God. So keys are the same. You have to understand keys work in particular ways. Um, let's keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll reserve my comments for later. So what are some examples of kingdom keys? I know we're talking marketplace and business, but I need to lay this foundation and tell you that uh, I was being interviewed by Forbes magazine. They asked me a question. They said, okay, Julian, you've built some great things. You've done wonderful. And you can see the interview. I think it's available online. And then they said, who would you say is your greatest influencer uh, of all time? You know? And I said, Jesus Christ. And they said, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, they kind of looked at me like, oh, here we go. We have one of those fanatics. Then they said, okay, let's rephrase the question. Who is alive today that you would say is your greatest influence in the world of business? I said, Jesus Christ. Oh, man. They said, okay, what book would you advise anybody to read regarding being a great CEO? I said, the Bible. Let me explain. Some of the things you need to understand are hidden in the Bible. Proverbs 25 two says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the honor of kings to search it out. What was Jesus' model? I have never ever seen a CEO who impacts 12 people and leaves the company to them in three years. And they influence the entire world. Nobody has been able to achieve that. He's a study. He's a master study. If you're looking at business influence, impacting, discipleship, training, strategy sessions, uh, understanding times of the day, when to wake up, when to sleep, Jesus is the perfect example. And so don't be fooled by anybody. I know we have all these books that have been written, but I don't believe there can be a better example of how to work yourself out of a job like Jesus. And sometimes in business, we stay too long. We stay too long as CEOs and end up messing up. This is where you learn. You get to learn your strengths. You become self-aware. Self-awareness, I think, is one of the most important things that any one of us can have as a leader. Self-awareness means I understand my blind spots. I know the things I'm good at and the things I'm not good at. Am I a good innovator or am I a good administrator? You need to understand. Maybe you're great at innovating and horrible at finance. So you have to understand these things. So these are the kingdom keys, uh, some of them. Examples, the Holy Spirit. Um, just keep going back. The word of God, praise and worship, diligence. The number of times I've needed to get on my knees to ask God, where do we go from here? Um, when you need to raise millions and millions of dollars uh, or millions and millions of Uganda shillings and you have to really understand how to seek God about that. You have to know which keys to use to raise capital. Even for promotion, career advancement, it doesn't matter. I could speak to you all day about these things so that you could have a good understanding. And let me tell you something. Don't let anyone underestimate your youth. There are doors that will open because of certain processes you followed. For some people, it will take three months. Others, it will take 20 years. It just depends on when you get the revelation. It's actually not a matter of, uh, some things are not a matter of time. Some things are a matter of revelation. Let me tell you, God says to Abraham, I want you to come and go to a place I will show you. Um, and God then tells him to pick up his immediate family and leave. 
Abraham goes with more people than he's supposed to. He goes with his father. He goes with his nephew. And they go to a place called um, Haran. And Terah is in Haran. They're there for five years. God has not spoken again. And once the father dies, and I think the father joined him because he must have asked him, where are you taking your family? I heard a voice. Where did you hear that voice? At night I was sleeping and this voice told me, get up and go to a land I will show you. I mean, just imagine that, right? Which father-in-law will leave you with his daughter and children when you say, I'm going to a place? I had a voice tell me. <laughs> and so I really believe, I don't want to be theological, but I really believe that part of the reason there was delay is because Terah was probably spending a lot of time convincing his son there was no voice. Did you hear the voice again? No. Has he spoken to you again? Because God did not speak again. He did not speak again until Moses' feet touched the place that he had been told to go. That's why I believe God's voice. And if I can use this very bad example, but it's for comparison, for understanding. Jesus used to use stories. God's voice is like Google Maps. You know, if you put Google Maps from here, Percy, and say, take me to Entebbe, and then you get on the expressway, it'll say, for the next 60 kilometers, stay on this road. Stay on this highway for the next 60 kilometers. Okay. So what happens if I reach 30 kilometers and I stop my car? Even if you spend 20 days there, Google will be quiet. Until you reach the marker that causes the next instruction to come, Google will be quiet. That's how God's voice is. Sometimes with instructions from God, he will not speak again until obedience is accomplished. This is why obedience is better than sacrifice. So sometimes we can be stuck three kilometers to the destination and saying, why has God been so quiet? You just need to move in obedience. And then you will see the provision of God at the place of assignment. So wisdom, knowledge, understanding are critical. I'm talking to believers in the marketplace, am I not? Is this strange language? Good. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are key. Not just faith. Faith is a great advancer and requires work. That work requires wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Timing is important. Timing is important. There are certain things that will cause you to lose a $10 million investment because of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. I've seen this mistake made by people over and over again. Sometimes you need to know when to shut up. One of the greatest skills you can learn is how to keep quiet. The other thing is how to speak the language of the king. You have to understand, the king is not as passionate as you. The king in this case, I'm talking about the investor. The king is not as passionate about your business as you are. And so I see people make this mistake where they come and they start to convince a king, an investor, this is why this would work. I'm so excited about it. It doesn't matter how excited you are. For Nehemiah to get the resources from King Artaxas, he spoke King Artaxas' language. He was able to rejig his language and spoke the king's language. Let me move on. So diligence, giving, these are keys. So repentance means change your way of doing things. So one of the things God wants us to do in Africa is to change the way we've done certain things. Because seasons have changed. Repentance doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means change your way of doing things. So we must adapt a different way of doing things. Why? If I have 20,000 members in my church, there must be something, because this is my belief. I believe we come into the place of salvation. Salvation in itself is a gift. You did nothing to get salvation. It's a gift of God to all of us. None of you could have paid the price on the cross that was paid, so you cannot work your salvation. You can work it out because after salvation comes what we now understand as the justification of God, which also is not your portion. But then when we come to redemption, when we come to the partnership with God regarding our walk, certain things are required to cooperate with God. So I cannot sit in a church with 20,000 people and they don't have food. Are you with me? There has to be a deeper place now we have to go beyond gathering. And that's why the marketplace for God becomes a very important piece because people have to eat, people have to live, people have to coexist as a community. Glory be to God. 
And for that to happen, certain things have to take place for us to be able to. So we have to change the way we've done things, not because there was anything wrong with before, but because seasons have changed, the gathering has happened. What happens after the gathering? Please continue. So, keys give us access or denial in the marketplace. The keys that God is going to give you will give you access or denial in a marketplace. And there's an interrelation between these keys. Is the second point. Um, I keep telling my fellow Christians to stop speaking Christianese in boardrooms. Some of the places we have to get resources don't speak our language. And we have to change language. It doesn't mean we compromise, but I assure you that Daniel was not speaking Hebrew in the boardroom. Glory be to God. There's a language we have to understand so that we can get wiser. And I'm coming to that in another presentation. So the opening of one door leads to another door that usually requires a different key. So... Your gift makes room for you and brings you before great men. But what do you do once you're there? Listen to me. I have a serious problem with access that does not produce anything. You shall not know them by their access. You shall not know them by their gifts. You shall know them by their fruit. So if a king knows you, what's the good of a king knowing you? So every resource... And everything that you need for life and godliness is given to you by knowing what to do with access. Okay. I don't want to spend more time on that. Um, we need to learn. No, no. Keep going. Please go back. I, I, I meant that, that point. We have to learn how to skillfully work. Skillfully work. We have to. We have to know how can we bring 50,000 affordable houses to Kampala for people to live in or your next generation will not have homes. I don't know what the bank interest rates in Uganda are. We must figure out how to deal with financial fiscal policies, not by attacking people and saying, our nation is in debt. People have messed it up. Please, our language has caused us to be resisted instead of being invited to the table. And for us to change that, it requires a skill set that is not ridiculing. It's actually positioning for help. You cannot do without the government. You need them. You need them and therefore you must use wisdom once you have access to figure out how do certain policies get changed. We changed over 55 laws in our country regarding housing and land through collaboration, through discussion and through wisdom. Attacking people will not get you anywhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying church? Attacking government people does not get you anywhere. And how we must work, the genius is to find a way to be able to achieve what we need to achieve. And I'm coming to my next presentation in a minute. So we have to skillfully work. Pastor Percy, we have to skillfully work. We must figure out. I had some gentlemen come to my office and they've been doing charity work in Africa for the last 25 years. Millions upon millions of dollars. They have a particular problem. It's no longer sustainable. They are having donor fatigue. They are willing to give, but they're asking the simple question. It's not sustainable. Because listen, when we dig wells for people in different parts of our country, six months later, people come and look at those wells and they're not being maintained. Because once it's given for free, there's no value. We must change the way we're looking at sustainability. So people want to give to our businesses and causes, but they need us to be skillful about how we're working it. I know it's a hot afternoon and I'm speaking in a very boring tone, but I'm sure somebody's catching something. I'm trying not to preach. You know, the problem with us preachers, you almost want to start getting there. Now, the wealth of the wicked comes to those who are righteous through keys. It's not when you lay your hands on an S-class. It's not when you pour oil on someone else's car and claim it. Name it. Claim it. Now, that has been one of the biggest deception messages that we have preached. Because naming it and claiming it has created laziness. 
And people don't want to go through the process to be able to achieve what it is that they need to achieve. So we require the wisdom of God to be able to understand how the wealth will transfer. It will transfer when the entrance of, when the, entrance of the word brings light. We're coming to a city on a hill. And so we occupy new territory using keys. Keep going. I think I'm done with this presentation now. So, so all these places we need to access in the marketplace, whoever has the secrets has the keys. And whoever has keys has authority over you. Whoever has the keys has authority over you. Could you do my second presentation? I think I have 15 minutes left. So we have to know God and begin to use these keys for advancement. Um, some of my greatest challenges, and please hear me in all love and humility, I'm saying this to lift us up. Some of my greatest challenges has been employing entitled Christians. So I don't employ them anymore. Can I repeat that? You being a Christian is not a criteria for me to employ you. I need to know you can get the job done. Because I'm not in the business of losing money and I'm not a charity. I'm in the business of God holding me accountable for the next talent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must be ten times better if you're going to use the Christianity card. <laughs> Are we ready? Just go on. Just go to the next slide. So, so please, let me be a little tough on us because I can't understand for the life of me that, you know, when we come to the office, we want to be the ones that take the most days off, take the most sick days, yet by his stripes, where the ones not showing up, where the ones gossiping the most. You know, some of the people from who don't know God come, they may come in their miniskirts, they may come with their yellow hair, but 6 a.m. is 6 a.m. A 5 p.m. report is in at 4.55. The children of the world have mastered this thing, man. And so when we get into the marketplace, our biggest disappointment, I had one person who brought me their CV. It was full of oil. I said, I can't read this thing. It's oily. He said, my, my pastor prayed for it. smelling of chips it's my pastor anointed it so I know I'm getting this job I said you're not getting this job I'm sorry I can't read your CV are you hearing what I'm saying we must adapt skillfulness we must know when we are at the king's table and put a knife to our throats sometimes when you go for these meetings and that CEO says would you like a cup of tea say let me just have some water and you know you are hungry and you could use that sausage and biscuits. That is not the place to go. Okay, let me continue. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We're in training. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Work like God. Do things like God. Operate in the exactness of the precision that God has. Keep going so that we can be able to qualify. Who are ambassadors? They're what you call an ecclesia. A legislative assembly. Selected ones. And so this is a group who have been summoned and gathered together to govern the affairs of a city. The church is God's legal representative on the earth. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two. We are God's chosen people. Say amen. amen. How am I doing on time Eva? Am I okay? All right. Number three, we are God's property. I've got the scriptures up for you. You can take a picture. Number four, we are kings and priests unto God. As he is, so are we in this world. And Jesus has given us keys of governmental authority in his kingdom to the church. Please, I'm coming to something. Keep going. I just want to deal with salt a little bit and light. So if salt loses its flavor... When salt flavors food, it makes it tasty. I know you've heard this in your church. And you don't need much salt to make a difference. Just a little. We don't need many, very many Ugandans to get this understanding. Just a few. And once you catch it, your city and your nation will be in, on fire. And so its presence or absence in food is noticeable. 
your presence or absence should be felt. For people to have a meeting and they didn't even notice you're not there is a sad day. I'll repeat that. If people can go ahead and have stuff continue and your presence at the time you're still in that thing is not even missed, means you're not necessary. What was that saying? If your presence, if your absence is not felt, your presence was not required. <laughs> I'll say it again. If your presence is not felt, if your absence is not felt, your presence was not required. If you can appear in your office after four weeks of leave and somebody says, ah, how are you? Did I see you yesterday? They didn't even notice you were not there. No, I refuse to live like that. Uh, 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 I'm going to the airport just now. You will know I was here. Uh-huh. Tell your neighbor, you will feel my... I know they say when you leave the earth, it's like people who've put their hand in a, in a water basin and when they remove it, that's how quickly the earth will replace you. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not going to be our story. That was not Jesus' story. He was missed. People were mourning and wailing for him. When we go, we should be missed. Your presence is necessary. But it will be known, not by our noise, by our action. Somebody say amen. So, so keep, could you go to the next slide because of time? So, salt was used also to pay wages and salary back in the Roman times. And Roman soldiers were paid using salt. Keep going. I want to get to my point. Take pictures. Salt was also used as a preservative. So, when we talk about salt, there's an element of pay. There's an element of preservation. And it's also medicinal. Salt is medicinal. So, the church is the cure for our aiming world. Pastor, this is a marketplace conversation. What are you doing? Come with me. Okay. Keep going. Are we done with this one? So, you are the light of the world. This is where I wanted to get to. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Please, I want to talk to you about this because I think it's a high time Christians stopped, um, what's the right word that I'm looking for? There's a humility in Christians I call a false humility. Ah, I don't want people to see me. Let me, let me sit at the back. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Please, these are the words of, are these the words of Jesus? Okay. That means for you to build a city, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm involved right now in city planning and city construction and building a lot of houses. So I can tell you it is a tedious process. It takes years. It can take a long time to plan a city. But one of the things everybody wants about anything they're building to do with housing and cities is for visibility. In other words, if what you are building requires to be advertised, the positioning of it is very important. A lot of us are spending resources, time, and energy building in a valley. And when you build your business in a valley, it will not be seen. Hmm. Jesus moved from Nazareth because he was not going to be seen, neither was he going to be heard. Repositioned into Capernaum, positioned his ministry for global impact. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, having faith does not excuse us from, it doesn't cause us to ignore God's instructions. You can have faith, but you must follow the manual. So, if you're going to be involved in building a business, build it on a, set it on a hill. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means I must figure out where am I going to position. So I built mode, 26 countries. I was able to take it to 26 nations, Indonesia, Philippines. Had people speaking all kinds of languages working for me. And I'm not saying this to impress you, but to impress upon you. It took everything I had. Everything in my life was poured into that business because of what it is I believe that I was building. I was working to build the first unicorn in my country. Made some mistakes, but we were setting things, which means we were building. We were taking time to build, to think, to hire, to execute. 
I mean, we were working with people of all kinds of religion. Some of my best friends are Muslim. I have a few atheist friends. Christians, you must come out of your cocoon. For you to get some of the resources where they are, I want to let you know some of them are not actually, most of them are not with Christians right now. Oh my God. There are people you may have to go for dinner with that don't share your religion. And you may have to learn how to sit at the table with them. Otherwise, what you are supposed to do may take you 50 years instead of 52 days. Ask Nehemiah. Ezra and the rest had taken a hundred years to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. A man came and did it in 52 days because he knew a pagan king. Some of our projects take 20 years. How can we take 25 years to build a church? Come on people, I want us to talk. There's something we are not understanding. I live on a street in Nairobi where one family, one Muslim family came and built 10 mosques on the street. 10, one family, one. And they went to sleep. It was like they had bought a pizza. And then they said, my time is up. Oh, this is, oh, God bless you. <laughs> I thought you were telling me time is up. I have 20,000 reasons to finish. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One family, 10 mosques, up, running. Then they went and told the imams, can you find preachers? Like, you build something before it has members. Hmm. And so, we have to know places we can knock on the door. People who want to give to our causes, but we don't have the language and the discipline and all the things we need. So, to spend a lot of time on something, I was telling you the mode story to say, eventually some of the relationships and people that God opened doors for me with are people I know until today and I'm working with for my next ventures. They've put capital. By the time I started my next businesses, people were booking slots for my equity in advance. I didn't have to go tell them what I'm doing. They're just saying, if you have started something, I'm in. I feel like I'm boasting, but I have to tell you. There are people that want to fund you over and over and over again. Even if you wake up and say, I have an idea. They say, hey, 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 don't leave me out. There's a time when hearing 200 no's comes to an end. And you start hearing very many yeses. But that requires delivery, execution, value. Are we in church? It requires those things. So I urge you today, don't allow yourself. There's a time going round in circles has, come to, has got to come to an end. You have to say enough is enough. I have to do something different. So light illuminates. So to build a city in a valley. No, we made noise. Now, I built this company and I realized something. I was at London, JP Morgan all the time. They were doing valuations. I kid you not. You're recording this. It can be checked. They valued my company at $980 million in 2014. 2014. 2014. They had one problem. That my headquarters was in Africa. And so it caused a dilution of the value by half. Now I know what you're going to say. What's wrong with these people? How can they do that just because it's Africa now? You can either catch feelings or catch skill. So what did I do? After we finished that, sold it, I set up a new one. I set it up in Delaware. I said, I'll play your game. I'll speak your language for kingdom advantage. Because if setting it up in Nairobi does not give me the advantage of setting it up in New York, just go, it's paperwork. It's paperwork. I said it's paperwork. Because the brain functioning is a Kenyan brain. It's just a Kenyan address, but a global citizen. Because when I read my Bible, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof. So I said if I have to, I, I'm not going to my president for any positions. I said if I'm going to do anything for my president, it's going to be solving his problems. Everybody who goes to the president is to ask for something. Hmm. I want to reach a point that by the time God takes me away from Kenya, they will miss me. They will know I've gone. Because my presence counts for something. Glory be to God. 
So, so in the housing, God has given us the opportunity to do. We don't have the resources in Kenya. Please, I hope you catch something and open your minds. We don't have the resources in Kenya for housing. We do mortgages. Look at me. This is now what I call injustice that believers are supposed to solve. We are doing 18 to 19% mortgages. There is nowhere in the world that formula can work. Bankers, you can say, amen. Your, your employer is not here. 18 to 19%. Do your calculation. If you take how much are houses in Uganda, a normal, nice, modest house, you'd say is how much? Come on, Kampala, talk to me. 100,000 100, US. I'll dilute it. Let's even say 80,000 US. If you take a 19% mortgage in 25 years, you'll have bought four houses. That's an injustice. That is not our God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That you cause a person to take a mortgage of that caliber and pay for four houses when all he could afford was not even the one that you gave him, that's an injustice. That's a problem that has to be solved by a believer. So what does that mean? It means we start getting involved in fiscal policies. Understanding how interest works. Understanding how to lobby. Understanding how to build for the kingdom. And figuring out how to collaborate to say, can we get our mortgages down to 5%? From the time we started having that fight in my country, we came from 18, we're now at 9.9. And one of the things I want to see is that on the Kenya shilling, it can go down until 6%. If it can happen in a messed up territory like that, one, it can happen in Uganda, it can happen in Zimbabwe, it can happen anywhere. Why? It takes certain skill. Networking. When you see me in Kenya, I'm with politicians, I'm with them because I need to lobby. I don't avoid them like I see Christians doing. Saying these people are dirty. No, they're not. They are God's appointed people. Go talk to them. They're human beings, fathers just like you and me. And if you lobby right, if you lobby with the bankers right, they will see your sense. And so I said, this kind of capital is not available in Africa. I have to go get it internationally. So we went and we fought and we fought and we're finally winning the war to say that it's possible in Kenya for you to now pay in the city, not in the village, in the city, for you to pay $200 for a house per month that you're going to own. That means it's now possible in my country by January next year for a waiter to own a home. Do you know how prosperity comes? Check your history here. When MTN came into your country, well, let me talk about my country. When Airtel started my country, they used to be called Zane, and before that, they were called Celtel. And when they were Celtel, the mobile phone was for the very elite. If you saw somebody walking with a mobile phone, you'd say, hi. Igwe. If you saw, do you remember? There was a time if you saw, and they used to walk with those fat things. Huh? Here's the interesting thing. The phone companies then were not prosperous. But the day they figured how to get a phone into a watchman's hands, they became prosperous. That's how the kingdom of God works. When what is supposed to be elitist becomes possible for everybody. When infrastructure can be for everybody. When, when access to property can be for everybody. God is glorified. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The day food can become something that can be on everybody's table, a nation is lifted up. So we must figure out how to set our cities on a hill. My time is up. I think in three minutes I'm seeing. So light overcomes darkness. Now, can you go to my last slide? And then we'll take a few pictures. So the city has to be set on a hill. That means, Pastor Percy, I must stop working so hard to be hidden. You must stop working so hard to be hidden. To sweat, put in labor, and to be hidden in your company is not right. And stop that language as a Christian of, ah, when God wants, he will do. There's no such thing. Be seen. Come out and be seen. And shine. That's why he says, arise and shine. He doesn't say, I will shine for you. Everybody must arise. And everybody must shine their shine. Next, next, next presentation. Am I in the last presentation? Okay. Please just go on. 
So he says, I send you forth as sheep among wolves. I'll tell you out there, it's crazy. Keep going, keep going. I don't have time. I've gone through three presentations in 30 minutes. This is, this is a serious accomplishment for me. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. I first had this in Uganda, and I took it. I had it about 10 years ago here in your country in this version. It says, the world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog world out there. I tell you it is. That means when you go for business, the current existing capital systems don't work for kingdom business. The current hedge funds don't work for what you want to build. They're not what you call founder-friendly, company-friendly. And so we don't live or fight our battles that way. We never have and never will. The tools of our trade are not for marketing or manipulation. No. What God allows us to build is not so that we park a Range Rover outside our house and tell those people that thought we'd never make it, aha, I have arrived. In Kenya we say, That's not what our tools are for. Please, I'm still reading that. It says, it says that's not what our tools are for. They're not for showing off. They are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture somebody say amen. amen so we use this is scripture we use our powerful god tools for smashing warped philosophies Warped philosophies that say hospitals should only be afforded by a particular type of people that's a warped philosophy Warped philosophies that say that uh, there's a paper i'm writing now called this thing called bread bread has caused many people to lose their destinies and so when you talk of what philosophies is how you will find people wanting to charge ridiculous interest rates to poor African countries. It is an injustice. That's a warped philosophy. To enrich yourself on the premise of people that are trying to survive is error. Glory be to God. That's a warped philosophy. That's a sick person. The whole aspect of interest came from the Babylonian times. Nimrod introduced interest in the Babylonian system, in Babel. And the real original root word for uh, interest is the word venom. The day you take it, you begin to die. Go to Muslim banks, you won't hear that word. And so I keep hearing Christians saying, we need a Christian bank. We need a Christian bank. <laughs> First of all, I want to tell you there's no such thing as a Christian bank. Because entities in themselves cannot be Christians. You cannot make an altar call to a bank. It is an individual who will begin a bank who happens to be a Christian. Okay. So it is the value system and the ecosystem of that entity that will cause it to be called a Christian valued bank. Are we together? run by Christians in a Christian manner. So when we think of interest, we have to go back to the way they used to do it in the Abrahamic time, which is how Muslims do it. That we don't charge our people interest. Ooh, I'm touching on some things. It is possible to make money without charging interest. It is there. It has been there since time immemorial. Go check your Bible. You will find over and over and over again. The day you tell somebody to pay you on top of what it is that they gave you and on top of that and on top of that, you have entered error. You have entered Nimrod's system. Today, that's not my talk. So if we are going to change that warped culture, that corrupt culture and warped philosophy, we must bring God's way of doing things. That's why Jesus says, repent. What is repent? Change your way of doing things. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Every time you hear kingdom of heaven in the Bible, it means God's way of doing things. So, change your way of doing things because God's way of doing things has arrived. So, how are we going to change this continent through these things? So, our tools are already at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives if, 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 um, of obedience into maturity. Now, go to the next slide. I need to close this. So how should I behave in the marketplace? There's a language we speak. There's a way we sit. There's a way we talk. There's a way we walk. Blessed is the man who... So there's a way we walk. There's a way we sit. There's a way we do things. And I believe without the shadow of a doubt, we are going to start seeing. I have a friend in Kenya. He's just bought 500 acres. He's just broken ground. He's building a city. An apostle. 
I came yesterday, I found pastor, he's building a city in Uganda. What is God doing with all these cities coming up across Africa? Why? Why is he allowing that to happen? I went to Nigeria, I had Papa Adeboye say, God told me to build a city, but it looks like it will be my sons who will build it. Why has God been telling so many of his servants across Africa build cities? What is it about redemptive cities that's about to come up? What is it? Why is it happening? Something is about to change. Culture is about to change. Communities are about to change. How we feed one another is about to change. True care and true community is about to come upon us. The ability to know if my neighbors have eaten or not. In Kenya, we have a community, and I know they're here because I see some of their businesses here, called the Ismaili community. You have them here. There are about 11,000 of them in Kenya. We're now a trillion shilling economy. Three, nine trillion shilling economy. And they control 10% of our economy. 11,000 people control 10% of our economy. So, in one of the buildings I used to be in, the landlord happened to be an Ismaili. One day, we were in the building, and some, somebody arrived, and he was brought for a package. It was actually his lunch. I said, oh, your office sends your lunch. He says, no, it's my community. I said, what do you mean? He said, every day, 11,000 of us are fed. Every day. We make food for our entire community. Nobody goes to sleep hungry. We cannot accept that anybody in our community goes to sleep hungry. I thought about my church. <laughs> I don't even know how they came. I don't even know how they are going home. Oh, come on, somebody. That people have taken the Abrahamic system, made it their community system, and are coexisting right now. 80% of Kenyans are Christians. The most profitable company in East and Central Sub-Saharan Africa is Safaricom. Which means we probably give them 80% or 60% of their revenues. And I don't know if they give to any... Okay, I don't want to say some things too loudly because you're recording. But are you catching my point? The most profits in the banks are coming from Christians. But you don't have rent. You don't have food. You don't have transport. We can't take our children to school. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. And so God is raising kingdom champions like the ones that have come to listen to my voice today. So be bold and courageous. And go and do what God has called you to do. Thank you for listening to me. God bless you. Thank you, Eva, for the time. I hope you've caught something. Let me pray over the people if that's okay. I pray for you. According to Psalms 90 verse 17, that God will establish the work of your hands and that from this day on, your hands will not be idle. That what your hands find to do, you will do it well and with all your might in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we give him a big hand clap?